We are continuing in our series on learning from Jesus this morning, and we're going to skip all the way back to a time when Jesus was very young. And in thinking about and looking at this section of scripture and thinking about Mary and Joseph and some of the things, I was reminded of the fact that parenting is not easy. You know that, right? Oh, there's joys for sure, but there's also worries and anxiety sometimes in the midst of joy. In all stages of childhood parenting, there's that very first stage when your wife looks at you with an odd look and says, we're pregnant. We're going to have a baby. And you are overjoyed until you realize you have no food to feed them. And how are you going to pay for them? And all of the fun stuff that comes into that. I'll tell you, with our first, it was really fun because Joy had been working a job that had uh, insurance and all of that. And she wound up leaving there. And before I got her on my insurance, uh, just three weeks after she left this other job, we found out Tess was on the way. We were overjoyed, but we spent the next 10 months trying to figure out how we were going to pay for the delivery. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't advise it, but it was well worth it. And then the birth. We had us a girl baby. It was wonderful. And past the birth, you know you have all of those firsts that come. The first steps, right? The first time that they skin their knee. The first day of school. The first broken bone. And the first broken heart. There's a lot of firsts. That happened. And then there's the driving. I hear some of you. You may know we homeschooled our kids. So, do you know who took the brunt of teaching every one of our kids how to drive? There were those days where we got around the block, there are those days we didn't get out of the driveway. And typically they drove until daddy couldn't handle it anymore. But they've all turned out to be good drivers. And that's been a wonderful thing. But there's anxiety in that. And then there's that day when you, when you drop them off at college. And there's a part of you that's happy they're out of the house. And yet, when you're driving home, ladies, that emotion's going to overflow into allergies in the eyes, right? And us guys, we're going we're to wipe back some of that allergy too. And then, there's that day when that young man came and told me, he wanted to marry my daughter. 
Now, I don't know about you men. Eric didn't handle that really well. Love the young man. Love Tyler. Love our our son-in-law. He loves Tess. But there was a part of me that was anxious. It was just there. Because even in the joys of being a parent, parenting isn't easy. This section we're going to look at, Luke 2, from about verse 41 to verse 52, uh, is one of those times. Read with me if you would, please. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in the company of their Uh, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. That's not, probably not the word I would have used. But they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. One of the biggest understatements in Scripture. Amen? Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured these things in her heart. You do that, don't you, mothers? And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Parents, do you know what they went through? Have you ever lost a child? My father, whenever we traveled, was the biggest wreck you've ever seen. He was scanning everything. He was watching over us. He didn't want any of us kids to get out of his sight. He looked over us like a mother hen, wrapping his wings, gathering us to him everywhere we went. And you know... We were frustrated, me and my two sisters, by that. And I used to think it was silly until one day we lost Noah. Couldn't have been more than four or five. We had gone to uh, a local amusement park 
And I told Noah to stay in this one place, and I was turning around doing something with uh, Tess, and we turned back around, and Noah was gone. Well, we went looking for him, and anxiety was great. It was probably no more than about 20, 30 minutes, but it felt like half the day was gone. He had found one of the other mothers, a, a good friend of of Joy and I, who was there and was with her. And I can tell you, we felt nothing but relief when we knew where he was and knew he was safe. It is not a fun place to be. And yet it was only 20, 25 minutes. Can you imagine three days not knowing you see, where Jerusalem was, where they were heading, three days' walk, they had already gone a third of the way. If you've walked a day in one direction, how far do you have to walk to go back where you were? You've got at least a day of travel. Then there's at least a couple of days looking for him. This could have been three days looking in a day of travel. This could have been four days. But three's bad enough, Amen. And they found him, and they were beside themselves, searching, looking. And when they found him, I want to tell you, their response, their reaction to finding Jesus was normal. Your emotions, your anxiety is through the roof. You don't know where they are or what could have happened or even if you will find them. And when they got to him, I bet you they were torn between wanting to hug him and wanting to slug him. You know why? Because they cared. They loved him. They were bringing him up in the Lord. They cared enough to be involved with him. They cared enough to teach him about God. He was also the firstborn, right? And in that society, the firstborn was even more valuable. So we can understand their reaction. And I'll tell you, Jesus' reaction was also appropriate. Let me ask you this. What is a 12-year-old's job? What is it they do? T- today, eat, sleep, I get that, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, play games, do chores, aggravate the siblings, right? They don't have a whole lot to do in our society at 12. But you think about 12, 13 in Jewish society, even today, but certainly back then. Do you recall what happens when a young man turns 12, 13? Do you remember what happens? Bar mitzvah. Yes. Do you know what that means? Bar means son. Mitzvah means law. So a bar mitzvah today and then a ceremony and then a, usually a gathering of celebration 
of when a young man comes to be the son of the law, which means he has reached the age of accountability. He has reached the age of responsibility. Under the law, the bar mitzvah means that he is now responsible for the law as any other man would be. In other words, kids grew up a lot faster then than we expect our kids to do now. And yet, they're still your children, yes? And in a sense, Mary and Joseph forgot who Jesus was. Now, look at, look at his response here. Why are you suturing me? Don't, don't you know I had to be in my, in my father's house? Um, the word house really isn't in there. There's a, there's a word, an implication word. Uh, some of the older translations actually translated this to, don't you know I would be about my father's business? It's actually a better translation than, than the NIV um, because it's, it's left to interpretation. Probably today what we would say is, uh, I'm taking care of the affairs of my father. So you hear what he's saying? You... you you know who I am. You knew who I was when I was born. You have seen me growing up. Why didn't you look here first? You know, you think about it. A lot of people are looking for God or looking for Jesus in the wrong place. They may know where he is. They may have heard something about scripture. They may uh, even maybe have an idea that it contains some truth. But they're looking for him elsewhere. They're looking for something to fill that God-shaped hole. And friends, it's not going to be found in drugs. It's not going to be found in sex. It's not going to be found in wealth of this world. The only thing that can fill that God-shaped hole in our lives is God. If you think about it also, this is the first time in the life of Jesus as we see him growing. This is the first time where there is a, a real acknowledgement of the difference between his earthly father and his heavenly father. Yes? It's just an interesting thought because you see, Jesus all along knew his purpose. Sometimes we think he, it wasn't until he was grown and then something happened and, you know, and, and he, no, he knew all along what it was. We are studying through the book of John one of the, on Wednesday nights, and one of the things that you see. In John, that is a complete theme of John, is that Jesus is in control of every situation he is in his whole life. He picks the times when he has exchanges with the Pharisees. He picked the time when it was his time 
He went to the cross because he went to the cross because he decided to. He turned his face towards Jerusalem. Every step of the way, he knew his purpose. Even as a child, as a 12-year-old, he knew. Now, if you think about it, 12-year-old, fully man, he does have a lot of learning to do. Can you imagine the wisdom that he would have had to have gone to the place where the best scholars, the best teachers were there and available at this feast time when they went, right? And what he did, his priority was to gain some knowledge. And what's interesting is they engaged this 12-year-old. And when they did, they were astonished by him. Let me ask you this. How long was Jesus in the temple talking with the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and Sadducees? How long was he there? I got three words for you. Do you know what they are? I don't know. I got three more. You know what they are? But I suspect. How long did it take Mary and Joseph to find him? Yeah, Ian's back there going. There's at least a day's travel. There's two or three days they were looking for him. So at least three days, maybe four days, this kid keeps showing up, asking questions. And when they ask him questions, he's given answers like somebody more than double his age. And they're amazed. Because you see, the boy Jesus was no ordinary student and at 12 he knew his priority and he was gaining knowledge to be able to carry that out you see friends when we look at scripture we see that from the cradle to the grave Jesus always knew his purpose What about you? Do you know your purpose? Are you seeking it out? Are you looking in the appropriate place to find it? Are you in scripture? Are you gaining knowledge, not for you, but for someone else? Jesus knew his purpose. And you guys know Jesus is supposed to be our model, right? We know we'll never be perfect. We will never be him. But we are supposed to become more and more Christ, what? Christ-like. Yes? In fact, that term Christian, its original meaning is little christ it was meant as an insult. And the disciples heard that. And they took it as a badge of honor because they were trying to be Christ-like. How are you doing in that? Are you continuing to grow to become more Christ-like? Is he your model? 
But I'm going to tell you, when Jesus is the model for our lives, life becomes challenging. Because we're going to be going against the grain of this world. And in the direction that our world is heading, the information that we are getting, we are, stream, we are swimming upstream against a very strong current. Jesus did that by spending time with his Father. His focus was on others. Where's your focus? Is your focus on you? Or is your focus on others? Jesus' attitude about this world, he did what was necessary for sustenance, but he didn't seek power or fame or wealth of this world. Do you know why? Because he knew the wealth of this world is what? You know, the wealth of this world is what? It's temporary. What is your attitude towards the wealth of this world? Or should I say, what is your attitude towards what God has blessed you with? Are you using it only for yourself? Or are you using it to benefit others? Where's your focus? One of the things that we see clearly with Jesus is in the midst of everything that is going on, him giving of himself to the point of being physically exhausted. In all of that, we see him taking time to go off into a place where nobody was, wilderness, desert, to spend time with his father. Do you do that? Is spending time with your father a priority in your life? You know, we can have a lot of excuses for that. The fact that we're busy, there's too much to do. We stop one thing, we start another. When we leave work, we get home, and there's a honey-do list that's a whole lot longer, and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, all of our excuses pale in the light of the cross. Jesus knew his purpose. He knew where he was heading. And because he knew what was coming, he hmm, was too busy not to pray. Make sense? It kept him centered. But here's the question. I'm going to leave you with this. Where are you looking for Jesus? Are you looking for him in the things of the world? Are you looking for him in some book that somebody wrote that has God's name in it that may not have anything in it that actually is what God said? Are you looking in the scripture? Are you coming together with other like-minded people 
and keeping each other sharp by looking and examining Scripture? Are you looking for where God is moving in your life? Are you looking for God in the opportunities to speak to others about Him? Where are you looking for Him? Because I can tell you this, friend. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to be found. Your Father is anxious when you are lost. And he wants you to be found. And he provided a way. Because Jesus, knowing his purpose, knowing that he would be the sacrifice of covenant, that his blood spilt would cover the sins of the earth. And he also knew that the truth of that healing, that absolution from sin, that acquittal, would be proved three days later when he rose from the dead. The path is there for all of us. And friend... If you're here today and you are outside Christ, I'm glad you're here because you're looking in the right place. Father God, we thank you for the reminders that you care for us That you came looking for us and you determined that you were going to enter our world in order to reach a point where, where we could find you and we could come home. We know, Father, that you are anxious for all of the souls that you created to come back to come under the blood, to become part of your family, to be adopted in through the waters of baptism, through the acceptance of Christ, and of the forgiveness that you give through the blood of the cross. We thank you for that reminder, Lord, and we thank you for these moments. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.